Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. Hi, I'm Boyd Moore. I've been an elder at McKinney for almost 30 years. I've seen a lot of changes over that period of time, but you know the one thing I'm most excited about is what is yet to come. Today we're starting a journey that will help us shine a spotlight on the way that we invest our time and resources with an eternal perspective in mind. Our elders are hopeful that a result of that focus will be the completion of the worship facilities we started six years ago. As the elders and staff have prayed and dreamed together about how God might use us, Imagine was the logical title for this time of special emphasis. You can't help but get excited as you think about how God might use us as we remain faithful to Him. If McKinney Church is your church, I hope you'll make it a priority to be with us over these next five weeks. The best is yet to come. 
Good morning. Uh, I'm uh, also excited about the next several weeks. I want us to do something as we begin, though, this morning. I want you to take your billfold out and just put it in your lap. Take your billfold, your, your money clip, just, put it in, just take it and put it in your lap. Uh, now, there are some people in this room that just breathe a, breathe a sigh of relief. Who are those people? They didn't bring their billfold, right? Okay, so, so the folks who didn't bring a billfold, they just whew, didn't bring. But everybody else, uh, just by carelessly, if you don't have your billfold, just imagine your billfold is in your lap. This is going to be important as we uh, work through our time this morning. I'm excited about the next several weeks for lots of reasons. We're going to deal with an issue that Jesus spent a lot of time focusing on. In the next five weeks, we are going to focus on biblical truth that was really important to Jesus Christ. So important that he focused on these principles more than he talked about faith and prayer. He focused on these principles more than he talked about heaven or hell. Not that they're more important than faith or prayer or heaven or hell. But Jesus talked about money a whole lot, so much so that the religious people sneered at him. And the reason he did that is because in God's purposes, money is one of the indicators that is most consistent about where we are spiritually. You see, how we use material resources is something that opens up the reality of our heart. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. I'm also excited about the next several weeks because as a pastor, I take seriously Paul's instructions to Timothy, the pastor there at Ephesus. I think they were for him at a particular point in time, but they are for pastors of churches in all locations in all times. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, Paul says this to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Notice that God likes it when we enjoy the blessings that he gives us, but he wants to make sure as we enjoy them, we use them not just to impress people, but particularly not to impress people, but in order to bless people. He goes on in this passage, says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That is the subtitle of this little book that you've had a chance to pick up. And if you start reading this book today, you will finish as we finish our Imagine campaign. It says, generosity moving toward life that is truly life. Now, this is a great little resource. If you read it personally and just think through it as, your, as an individual, it'll be a blessing for you. If you as a family, our middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, if you've got a third, fourth, or fifth grader that loves to read, go ahead and get them one of these. And as you guys talk through these things as a family, it will be a great blessing to you. Growth groups are going to be going through this material and it'll help you from the perspective of what Paul teaches in 1 Timothy 6 and other biblical passages, get a glimpse of God's perspective on how he wants to use material blessings, not as something to restrict you, but to expand his blessings in your life. 
And the third reason I'm excited about these next several weeks is that with all of my heart, my focus is on God giving you something rather than trying to get something from you. We are going to give you an opportunity to make a three-year commitment to the facility needs of our church, and we'll be explaining more about that. But I want you to understand that I am absolutely convinced that as a pastor, as we spend eternity together, if I am faithful to you the next several weeks, for a thousand, a million, a billion years, you'll be coming up to me, you'll embrace me, and you'll say, Ken, thanks for telling us the truth about how God uses generosity to prepare us not only for blessings in this life, but for reward and blessing and celebration for all eternity. Please understand, as I begin the Imagine campaign, the payoff isn't the day we know how much our body's been able to give over a period of time to enlarge our facilities. We have facility needs with nursery and preschool and children and students and young adults and the brochures that we've given you and the information we're going to give you and explain all that. But the big payoff for me isn't when we know how much we can build. We need to build all of it. We're going to be faithful to God as he provides for us through your generosity. It's not the day we move into whatever buildings God allows us to build, although that'll be a happy day. The day for me will be many, many days, if there are days in eternity, when you come up with a big smile and you say, I just ran into a kid. And I never met that kid but when I was at McKinney, I discipled a middle schooler, and 15 years later, that middle schooler taught children, and that child trusted Christ through the guy that I spent time with, and that kid came up, and I believe in heaven, we're going to see all the dots, we're going to connect all the dots. That kid came up to me and gave me a big hug and said, Hey, Joe, you're the one who taught Bill how to love people, and Bill's the one who led me to Jesus. And by the way, Joe... We're having a party. I was able to lead about 100 people to Christ, and we've decided to have a celebration. Why don't you come and be our honored guest? Because if it weren't for you, I don't think I would have ended up serving Christ like I did. And oh, by the way, Joe, back in 2009, didn't you really celebrate the chance to give to a facility that 25 years later I was able to hear about Jesus in? You see, the payoff for me is long, long term as we begin the Imagine campaign. And so I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's going to do in our life. I'm excited about what God's going to teach us. And in that process, we're going to learn some things that are going to matter not only for the short term, but for all eternity. Now we're going to begin in... Luke chapter 16. We're going to focus at least most of our weeks in the gospel of Luke. Why don't you stand with me and let's look at Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. And let's read together these verses from the Lord Jesus as he taught his disciples. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. 
the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Please be seated. Please be seated. This passage points us toward two foundational truths as we begin our Imagine campaign. First of all, this passage reminds us that every person has a distinct portfolio of assets. If you and I are going to be God's portfolio manager, you have been assigned a distinct portfolio of assets. This manager of the household, a Greek word which indicates someone who was not just in an office somewhere, but actually ran the affairs of the estate. He had access not only to the resources of the owner, but he had an influence on the family. This was a trusted person. And he had been given a distinct and specific portfolio of assets. And every person has that same reality. I want you to see the Imagine campaign in a picture much broader than what you do with your money. Let's think about your portfolio of assets. It's unique to you. You have a family and a relationship that is an asset. Now, in every family there are liabilities as well, right? There are no asset-rich, liability-absent you know, families. But you have been gifted with perspective and insight and blessing because of the relationships of life. And that comes from the hand of God. God has entrusted that to you. You have talents, abilities, spiritual gifts. God gave you every one of those. Nothing you have the capacity to do is unrelated to what God has directly given you. As he's given you opportunity for training and education and experience in life. You have passions you have passions that are unique to you. You love doing certain things. Other people look at things you do and they say, man, that just wears me out. And you wake up in the morning and you can't wait to get to it. Uh, there's a table out in the lobby where if you have a passion for prayer, there are going to be opportunities for you to pray on a regular basis, not just during the Imagine campaign, but we hope to stir up prayer in our body for the long term. But there'll be a 24-hour prayer opportunity the last weekend of this month, the 23rd and the 24th. And if you've got a passion for prayer, some of you may hear that and say, man, that makes me tired. Uh, but some of you say, wow, I'll take four to six in the morning. That just sounds great. But if it makes you tired, I'd encourage you to show up and just see if the enthusiasm of some who 
those who are passionate about it, might not be something that would spark something in your own life. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Great Day of Hope, and, and some of you are passionate about serving. God gave you those passions, and you need to be a part of that. And then some of the others who may not be quite as excited, when we get around you, it's contagious. And we all have an experience of serving God that blesses us and is a blessing to our local missions partners. There's an opportunity for you to be involved in that in the next couple of weeks as well. You have health and energy that come from the hand of God. Right? It's interesting that health and energy is very uncertain, isn't it? And as you get older, it is always ebbing. 22, 24... Man, I can take the world. But if you have a health condition that compromises your energy, even as a young person, you know that that's an asset that you need to care for and steward very wisely. Your time is an asset. One of the things that's unique about time is everybody gets 24 hours in a day, but not everybody gets the same number of days, right? We get it parceled out to us in seconds and minutes and hours and days, all the same, but even that resource comes straight from the hand of God because there's no guarantees. Many of you know the Hydebriar family. Uh, Tavy's son, Don, down in Houston, had a gun accident in a shooting range and is in critical condition. Went out just to sort of practice shooting as he enjoys to do, and now he's in ICU. We need to pray for this family, but the truth is we have no guarantees about the future. And then God has given different ones material possessions and money. Material possessions and money. And that's how our, country, our world keeps score, right? Uh, how much you have, how much you've accumulated, that's the basic currency in which our world keeps track of who's important and who's not so important. And I would remind you, it's not just the money you have, but it's the home you have and the cars you drive. And if he's giving you a nice home and you're using it to bless other people, great. We just came back from a ranch down uh, south of here, and there's a family in our church that has an incredible place, and there's ministries flooding in and out of there, and it's a lot of work for them to keep that care prepared for everybody who's coming and using it, but it's a resource that they are using in incredible ways, blessing other people. So you need to spend some time thinking about your distinct portfolio. Let me mention one other that is the most precious of all of these. If you know Jesus Christ, you've been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a trust. You have been entrusted with the most incredible message about life and forgiveness and eternal blessing. And if you aren't being a wise steward of that, if you're not praying for your five friends, I had a dear lady share with me how two of her five friends have now come to know Christ and how excited she was. She is faithfully stewarding the incredible treasure of the gospel about Jesus Christ and praying for people and looking for opportunities to share Christ with other people. If you know Jesus Christ, put that at the top of your portfolio list. And I'd encourage you to spend some time wrestling through that issue. What is my portfolio? What has God entrusted to me? And anything you have, 100% of it, he owns. Everything you have, he gave it to you. He said, wait a minute, I worked hard for that. 
the energy, the ability, the drive, all that went into whatever you think you've earned comes straight from the hand of God. He owns it all. If we don't get that straight, whatever else we say in our Imagine campaign will be distorted and confused and not nearly as helpful and powerful as God intends for it to be. Secondly, there's a developing scope of our portfolio. It's always changing. Your asset mix is constantly changing. When you're young, you have more energy and health and less money. When you're older, hopefully you have a little more money, but usually a lot less energy and health. Uh, things are always changing. You have no guarantees about the future. God has the prerogative to change your asset mix any time he wants to because he is what? The owner. <laughs> he is the owner. And the owner, if you have a, an investment person and you call and say, I want to take it out of bonds and put it in the stock, the investment guy doesn't say, you can't do that. He says, yes, sir, I think if that's what you want to do, we'll do that. Because you are the owner. Now, while we're thinking about owner, I want you to do something. I want you to take your billfold that you have in your and I want you to hand it to somebody you don't know uh, right close to you. Now, you, I, and I encourage you, if you feel, if, this will make you feel more comfortable if you get closer to your money. I know that. So, so everybody, if you need to get, some of you guys over there, you've got to move to get it. Now, I'm, I'm not kidding. Some of you think I'm kidding. I want to get this. I don't, do I know you? Do I know you? I don't know you. Uh, here's my... Okay, okay. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I've got the better end of that deal. Uh, okay. Okay, everybody that has a billfold. Now, the people who didn't bring a billfold, what are they doing? Whew. Oh. But just for the sake of the illustration, think about how you'd feel if a person you didn't even know had your billfold. How do you feel? Well, how's that? Uncomfortable. Okay, that's it. Now, at least you're listening, Okay. At least you're listening. Please pay attention. Because what we're going to cover the next little bit could change your eternity in ways beyond your wildest imagination. God has given you a distinct portfolio, a variety of currencies. It is constantly changing because he's the owner of it all. And as a steward, he gives you clear instruction how to use his resources. We find that clear instruction in Luke chapter 16, 1 to 9, where we see a defining responsibility, a defining responsibility. I want you to understand, it uses dishonest in one of the translations. This is not about dishonesty. How do we know it's not about dishonesty? If you had a dishonest money manager and you discovered he was dishonest, would you let him dispose of your assets for you? No. You would frog march him out of the, of the office, right? He wouldn't get a chance to touch anything. The issue, the word is not dishonest, but wasteful and careless. Basically, the problem is the steward or the manager, the portfolio manager in Luke chapter 16, was Focus not on the owner's priorities, but his own priorities. He was wasteful and careless and ultimately foolish, not only for the owner, but for himself. And what we see in this whole situation is a contrast. He's not saying it doesn't matter where you're faithful. In fact, 
it matters tremendously because if you're not faithful, God will remove his assets and give them to someone else. When does he do that? Sometimes he does that in real time. And some of us have had our assets reallocated in recent months, right? Everything you lost in the stock market belonged to God. And that doesn't mean you ought to grieve over that because you were doing your best. You were trying to be a wise steward, trying to be faithful in preparing for your family. But the truth is, at any point, if you and I are careless and wasteful, God has the prerogative to say, okay, I think I'm going to take it from him and give it to somebody who's paying attention to my priorities. For sure, and that doesn't happen in real time for everybody because some people who are foolish and wasteful seem to have a whole lot of money, right? But for sure, when you die, every material asset you have will be transferred to someone else's responsibility. Isn't that right? You won't take a penny with you. Not a penny. Faithfulness is central. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that it is required of those who are given of trust that they must be faithful, they must be dependable, they must consistently look after the interest of the one who owns the resources. That doesn't mean you don't provide for your family, doesn't mean you don't have a car that you can count on, but it does mean that when you begin to think, this stuff makes me more important, you're way out of sync with God's priorities. And at any point that you're using anything just for your own pleasure and not for the purposes of God, you're being a wasteful and careless steward. Some of the most generous and wise stewards I've ever seen are wealthy people who get it that all that they have belongs to God and they're just working as hard as they can to use whatever God's entrusted them to bless as many people as possible. And some of the stingiest people I've ever met have very little, but they spend all their time wishing they had more and grinding on the fact that they don't have enough and if I just had more, then I'd finally be happy rather than so miserably bored and bitter about life. Faithfulness is central. In that context of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is talking about ministry. And it's in the context of him being faithful to his ministry. His stewardship and focus at that point was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was a man who was often criticized. Uh, you see, the only people that are never criticized are people who stay on the sidelines. If you get in the game, somebody's going to criticize you, and sometimes they're going to criticize you because you've made mistakes, and it's important to listen to your critics and learn what you can from them. But there are times when you are doing what you know God wants you to do as best you can understand it, and don't be surprised if they're critics. In fact, Paul says, if a person's criticizing me, that person doesn't have the final word. He goes on, he says, and guess what? My defense of myself isn't the final word. Somebody criticizes you and you try to explain why you did it. Those aren't the final words. The only final word is from who? The owner of all the assets. He's the one who will give the final word. 
One of the things that's been great for me in this process is anytime you start working through whether you need to try to build additional facilities, there are good people who see it different, and there are people who say, man, this is a hard time to raise money, and I know all that. And I've wrestled with all that, and I've prayed through all that as best I can. And for me, as I've wrestled through this, I don't know how much money God's going to provide for us because I don't know how much money God's entrusted to you. One of the things I love about McKinney Church, you could have a whole bunch of money and nobody dresses like they have a whole bunch of money. Don't you like that? I don't know what God's entrusted to you, but here's what I do know. We got nurseries and preschool areas that are overcrowded. We've got young couples ministries that need to add a class next spring and there's no room to add a class next spring. I know we've got some of the greatest youth ministries going that we've ever had in the 25 years, and we're grateful for the adjusted and adapted facility we've used the last 12 or 13 years, but it is simply not an optimum place to have the maximum student ministry that affects 60-plus schools throughout Tarrant and Parker and Johnson County, even some in Dallas County, affecting all kinds of folks. That's what I know for sure. Now, I don't know whether it'll be easier to raise money a year from now or two years from now. What I do know, absolutely, is that as a church family, if we're to develop Christ-centered people who make a difference, this is a great time for every one of us to learn about stewardship. It is a great time for every one of us to learn about stewardship. And if every person in our body takes to heart the truths from God's Word, not because we're manipulating you or pressuring you, but because you say, God, I only want to do what you want to do. And if every person in our body, every family, just think about little children talking with moms and dads. We've never had a time for, for a month. Our whole church, little children, students, adults, everybody's sort of wrestling through what does it mean to be a good steward, learning what God wants us to learn. And if at the end of that process, whatever God provides, the real goal for me is that every person in every family would respond to God and that they would grow in their understanding of what it means to be a wise investor of God's resources. And if they do that, I'm going to be smiling from ear to ear no matter what the provision is for our facilities because our focus isn't on our facilities. It's on the people who are being ministered to in the context of of those facilities. And so for me, as I wrestled through this the last several months, and I've worked harder the last four months than I've ever worked in my 25 years here at McKinney, and as I've had time to say, man, you know, is this the right thing to do? Man, this is, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Somebody says, you preachers always love to build buildings, and I say, you have no idea. The only preacher that would love to do buildings is a masochist. But for me, the issue of faithfulness became very clear. I know I will be faithful to God if I teach you about stewardship, about wise investing of God's resources, not just for the next month or the next three years or till we finish these facilities whenever God provides all the resources we need, but so that when you're spending eternity, you say, wow, I'm glad I got that. That makes all the difference forever and ever. Ever. The only path where I could not be faithful would be to stay on the sidelines and say, let's just wait because it may be too risky right now.
It may be too risky right now. I don't know what God's going to do. But I know this. There's a, this is a rare opportunity for every person in our body to learn whatever God wants them to learn. I even had come, somebody come and says, I'm, I, I know I can't be excited about building any more buildings. And I said, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince you we need to build more buildings. I know that in my heart that would be wonderful for our children, our students, and our adults. But I said, please come every week and listen and, and, and catch how God wants you to give. And if at the end of the time you want to give a sacrificial, bold gift to another ministry, give it. Because all I'm focused on is you doing whatever God leads you to do. And if I help you do that, I will be faithful. It is required of a steward, not only of God's grace and whatever personal resources and, and, and assets God's entrusted to me, but of a pastor trying to lead a group of people. It is required of a shepherd, a steward, to be faithful. And so I'm excited about the next month. And I have no idea how God's going to work, but I know he does want to work in my life and in your life. Now I want you to do one other thing. I want, the, I want the, whoever has your billfold, uh, and you're keeping a close eye on that, I know, I want them to give it to somebody else that you haven't met yet. Okay, real quick, just very quickly. Come on, guys. I, I'm serious. Okay, I need to give it to somebody, somebody else. Somebody. Okay. Okay. All right. Verse 2 tells us this. Accountability is certain. And it's going to be for you and me too. Okay. God will hold us accountable for how we use his resources. Scripture says we'll stand before him and we'll give an account of our lives. And our lives involve every resource he's entrusted to you. Accountability was a certain for the steward. It's certain for you and me as well. In verses 3 to 8, we see that the sermon is critical. Here's what happened. You see, in Israel... The law in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy said that you could not charge interest to people. And so what they did is they sort of cooked the books, and they would take something and they would add a percentage to the principal instead of showing it as interest. So like the value-added tax in Europe, okay? You don't know you're paying it, but you're paying it every time. And so what happened is this steward had some olive oil. He had 800... Uh, gallons of olive oil, the fruit of about 150 trees. It was worth three years of salary, and so he had 100% markup on it. That was going to be his cut of the deal. And so he says, just mark 400, which is what he owed his master, and we'll be even. 100,000 bushels of wheat. It had a 20% markup. He said, just put 800, and we'll be even. Basically what he did is he gave his commission back to the people he'd done business with because he, he had to strike the deal immediately. He couldn't wait till the term of the deal was completed because the owner's going to always get his money back, right? Let me tell you, God is not looking for your money. He knows where it is. You may not know where your billfold is, but he knows where his money is. He knows where your money is, and he will get it all back. He's not trying to grab something out of your pocket. He's trying to change your heart so you'll use his resources in ways that not only please him, but in ways that bless you. 
You see, this steward was shrewd not because he had been careless, not because he had been foolish in terms of not obeying the law. He was not shrewd because of those things. Those things aren't commended. In fact, they provide a contrast to what God wants us to be. But he is commended by understanding he only had a short period of time to do something, and he got after it for that short period of time because he knew that his opportunity to prepare for the future was collapsing upon him. If you and I are to be wise managers of God's resources, we need to understand we've got a very small window of opportunity to invest his resources in a way that will bless us and bless others for all eternity. You need to make sure that you are not wasteful and careless about God's resources because discernment is critical. I'd encourage you to take inventory of your unique, distinct portfolio. Not just the money you have, but your time, your energy, your passions, your gifts. And in light of that sober assessment, ask the question, how can I invest what God owns and what he's entrusted to me this next week so that God will be pleased. If you do it in a way that pleases God, guess what? He loves cheerful givers. The scripture says you'll never outgive God. We work with spoons. He works with steam shovels in terms of dispensing blessings. But we don't do it because he loves to bless us. We do it because we are rock-solid focused on being faithful as wise investors of God's resources. The world system that we live in screams against this reality, doesn't it? When, it, when we say someone has got it made, what do we mean? They got, every, they got all the material things they want. If we say somebody is set for life or doesn't have a worry in the world, what are we usually saying? They got a big bank account. You and I live in a world that will press us into its mold. That's why we're going to focus so intently on God's truth because God's truth will set you free to be involved in his purposes in a way that will allow you to experience fulfillment and joy like you can't even imagine in this life and then to be able to celebrate with him for all eternity. This morning we've looked at one thing, and that is as faithful managers, you and I must invest in trusted resources according to God's according to the priorities of the owner. Not because he needs our resources, he be they belong to him anyway, but because we can enjoy incredible blessing every time we have the thrill of obeying God and saying, you know, I'm doing what the owner wants me to do. And when we do that, he fills us with joy 
beyond our imagination. I was talking to somebody the other day about this, and I said, when you know for sure what you need to do in any given situation, whether it's giving to a building campaign, ministering with children, serving in a local mission, when you know for sure you're doing what God wants you to do, wild horses can't keep you away. Have you ever noticed when somebody feels God's leadership to go to Thailand or to Africa or to Europe, wild horses can't keep them from getting there because they know they're doing what God wants them to do. Now, we're going to take our offering, but before we do that, we need to get our billfolds back, don't we? Okay, let's, uh, let's see here. You didn't give me a billfold. Okay, okay, I got one right here. You, you, were, you were one of the ones breathing a sigh of relief. Okay. All right, now, now the, the, it's a process here. You've got to get it back to the per You've got to walk this way back through. Uh, we're not going to take our offering until everybody... Now, what's everybody want to do? Tell me. Just be honest. You want to look and check and make sure it's all there. Okay, that's fair enough. Everybody check and make, make sure it's all there. I understand. I understand. Now, before we take our offering, everybody okay, right? Everybody okay? A little uncomfortable? This is going to be a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.